It's good to be with you this week, the start of this week. If you are listening to this while you're jogging on a podcast, or if you're tuned in live uh, during one of our services here on this day, Sunday at 9, 11, or 5, we just want to say it's good to have the body together. It's good for all of us to come together. I'm excited about the series we're in. We are talking about being in the middle. In the, in the middle of your story. And uh, last week we talked about this a little bit. I, I would like to just illustrate it a, a little bit. See, I've got a graph here, and a lot of us think of our lives this way. We think about our lives, you know, how, as how they're trending. You know, if things are getting up, you know, are they moving up or are they, are they moving down? And we think about our stories or the arc of our story that way, that there's some starting point always. There's a, there's a beginning, the, the birth of our story. And in our minds, in our hearts, we're always like, how are things going? Are things going bad? Are things going good? Well, here's why this is such a great thing for us to be looking at right now, because here's what happens in, in all of our lives. There, there's always a dip at some point where, you know, things things happen, like some event happens in our life, and that event takes us to what really is a valley. Now, God is in, God is in moments of uh, crisis. God is in those moments. God is in moments of, of victory, right? When everything gets great and we're turning the page or turning a chapter and something new is happening. But I believe that God is with us in specific ways and, and maybe some special ways right here. In, in, in the valley, it looks like a smiley face. I just realized I drew a smiley face. But God is here, though. I mean, right, when, when tragedy happens and there's, there's just busyness in our life and we're, we're hustling, like, to take care of some issue. And when, you know, the, the page is turning and we're getting ready to move on in our story and there's a victory lap, a victory dance, you know, there's a lot of commotion. Here's what's great about God meeting us in the, the middle of our story and in the middle of, like, just the... The, the monotonous days, maybe, you know, when you're like, I'm ready for that next thing. And it's just another boring day or another coronavirus day. And you're ready to move on. Here's what happens. There's margin and there's space. God is always with us on the ups and downs in our lives. But, he, but what happens is in some of that middle time, there's, there's room for God to come in and for him to deal with some stuff and for us to unpack some things and for us to, to really grow. That's why I'm excited about a season that we're kind of forced into right now in this quarantine situation. God is meeting us in the middle. Now, maybe you're thinking a little bit about what's, what's the graph of my life look like? I, just for the sake of the exercise, I did this. My boys, they always help me. You know, I, I was born and things were great in my life. A big moment in my life would be my parents' divorce. That changed forever the trajectory of my life. And God was in all of it. And, you know, obviously there's more ups and downs than this, but this is a pretty simplified version. Real life is way more complicated, right? You know, real life probably looks a little bit more squiggly lines, right? Meeting Jen was a really good point in my life. Things got a lot better. My boys, all three of my boys, if I were to put them on here, uh, they like to joke and say, Dad, when you had us, you peaked. This was the best moment. It's a, it's a, they, they literally say that all the time. Like, you're still going to have a good life, Dad, but it's pretty much, this, it's, we're the best part. It's, it's done. And so I know that we all think about our lives in that way. And maybe when you're thinking about the trajectory of your life and you think of birth and you're looking at the ups and downs, you know, junior high, that's probably always a difficult spot for about everybody. Something happened at some point in your life. And if you've been alive past kindergarten, you, you know that there's something that happened sometime that led you down a valley. And maybe now or at some point you can think back to a place where you were just in the middle. And you were 
kind of ripe in a season for God to come and deal with you. Maybe if you look at your life, you're like, it's, it's not been good. It's been one tragic thing after another tragic thing. And every turn, every page turn, it just seems to be getting, getting worse. You might not identify with this at all. Maybe you're like, nothing bad has really ever happened. You know, one time in second grade, a kid made fun of me. And it was just a bad day. And everything's gotten better. And you're, you're, you're looking at the direction of your life. And you're like, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I have a middle. I, I want to guarantee you this, that, that God that God meets us in the middle. He met a guy named Moses in the middle. Moses is one of the the greatest Old Testament prophets that's recorded. There's really only two stories in Moses' life before kind of like a a page turn. We've got the birth. There's this, the the birth of Moses and how Moses as a a child was sent into kind of the king's court. Uh, He was was born into a tragic time in Israel's history where the Pharaoh was growing afraid of Israel because they were growing so large in number in the land of Egypt. And he started to say, kill every single baby that's born male. Moses' mother preserves him, puts him in a little raft, floats him down the river to the Pharaoh's daughter, and she pretty much adopts Pharaoh into the family. And for 40 years, Pharaoh lives his life being educated in the king's court, in the king's palaces. He would rule, he would be of the ruling class in, in Egypt, this kind of like charmed life. The next, the next scenario, the next thing that we see in the life of Moses is he actually kills a man. This is, it's, it's a very small story, and that leads him out. Moses, if you don't know the story, you, you've got to know kind of what happens to take him to the dip in his life to where he kind of gets into the middle. Uh, Moses sees, a, a, he sees an Egyptian harshly treating, beating, really the, the word that's used in the, the, in the Hebrew here could indicate that this, this master, this Lord, was about to kill an Israeli. This, this fellow Israelite, Mo- Moses, knows that he was born Hebrew. And as he sees this Egyptian Lord about to kill a, a fellow Hebrew, he steps in to protect him. And, and, and in doing so, has to defend his own life and kills the, the Egyptian, hides the body. The next day, Moses sees two Israelis fighting, two Hebrews fighting with one another. And he tries to stop them. And one of the guys says, Wait, you, wh- what are you? We, we know what you did. You're, are you going to be the judge of us? Moses gets afraid and runs. Those two stories are the, the only two stories we have in the first really about 80 years of Moses' life. It takes us to this chapter. Chapter 2 of Exodus, verse 23, says this. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. They cried for help because their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abram, with Isaac, with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and was concerned with them. I would say this is like the beginning. You know, Moses has a story. You've got a story. But you, the more we understand how God interacted with Moses and the tendencies, the proclivity that God had, the more we're going to understand how is God going to meet us in the arc of our story. And what happens here in this text is something very important. Here's the word. It's at the very end of verse 25. God knows. 
God knows. That's what this really says. I went through a lot of different translations looking at this. The people are crying out to God, and it simply says in verse 25, God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. That's the NIV. Another translation says that he noticed. It says in the New Living Translation that it was time to act. God acknowledged them, is what uh, the, the Jewish Bible says. The message version says that God understood. My, my favorite uh, kind of translation of this Hebrew idea here is this, that God knew. God knows where you are at in your story. He knows the, the arc of your story. If things are getting better, if things are tough, if you're on the way up, if you're on the way down, God knows. He hears your cries for help in your story. Here's the next thing. You might be the answer to someone else's prayer. I mean, when we encounter Moses in, in, this, in this text right here, in, in the very beginning of Exodus, Moses' obedience to God was the answer for two million Israelites crying out for help. Moses was the answered prayer, and his obedience to God's plan was the answer to prayer. You might be the answer to someone else's prayer to someone else's story when things are trending down or they're in the middle of their story and they're like, I can't hold on for one more day. Your obedience could be that the way that God is using you to, to bring healing or restoration or joy or hope or a better future or a changing of the, the page, a new chapter in someone's life. God uses everything. See, God knows and God, God could be using you to answer someone's prayer, but God uses everything. And Moses had two sons. Moses, after living 40 years, we know this from the book of Acts when Stephen gives his famous, famous sermon. Moses lives 40 years growing up in the king's court, the Pharaoh's court in Egypt. And then he spends another 40 years in the desert, really fleeing anything to do with Egypt running away from all of his training, all of his old life. He goes to a new life of just being a wandering shepherd. Moses, at 80 years old, was, was educated in engineering, mathematics, astronomy. He was skilled. The Egyptians were extremely skilled in organization and administration. And all of that had been kind of packed into him to to ultimately be a ruler one day in the land of, of Egypt, to help their society. They'd poured into him. God uses everything in your life. He doesn't waste things. Moses had thought, well, that was just a life that I have put away and I've packed it away and no one knows anymore and it's so old. Like a, it was a, like another lifetime to him. There are things that God has put into your life and you're like, I'm done with that. I'm finished with that. I'm never going to go back to that. That was a waste of time. God uses everything. God uses this. God will use your loneliness. And Moses grew up in the greatest city in the world in his time. The most, like, uh, the most cosmopolitan city of the world. Like, everything was happening there. The kings of the world would come to Egypt. It was, a, it was an incredible place to live. And then he goes to 40 years of just standing in some pastures and wandering around some hills with a group of sheep. God used that loneliness. God will use your loneliness, your solitude. God will use your quiet service for years. God will use your failures. 
I mean, Moses failed. He tried to help one Hebrew. God had a plan for him to help all Hebrews. God will use your failures. God will ultimately use this. He will use your surrender. Now, here's what I want to give you today. I want to give you uh, this one look in Moses' middle situation. I, I think the 40 years in Moses' life right there in the middle where he is just being a shepherd that leads him up to an opportunity is the moment that you are in right now. I really believe that this is the moment that you're in. And these excuses that we all make in the middle of our story were made by Moses. And we're still making these excuses today. And they're stopping us from, going, from turning the page. They're stopping us from a new future. And we've got to stop making this, these excuses. Moses, if you do not know, encounters God in a burning a bush. Maybe one of the most incredible Bible encounters that happens until Jesus becomes flesh and walks among us. And that is recorded by those who eyewitnessed his life, the, the, the 12. I mean, what an awkward moment for God to come and say, I need your help. And for Moses to say, no. Not one time, but repeatedly no, with, with lists and questions. I mean, have you ever been around someone that had influence and power and prestige and position and someone doesn't really get it and they come into that scenario and they just don't act accordingly? Like this would be the ultimate, ultimate of that. Moses says no with these five excuses. The first excuse that Moses makes is this. I am a nobody. Here's his exact words. Exodus 3.11, Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. See, God had a job for Moses to do. God, God positioned Moses in a place. He, he was going to use everything in his past. God put him in a place where God wanted Moses to go and be the, the answer to the help of all of these Israelites that are trapped in slavery in Egypt. And God speaks from a burning bush in a miraculous moment. And out of the bush, he says, Moses. And Moses comes and says, what's going on over here? And God says, I want you to do this. And his first excuse is, I am a nobody. Who am I? This is probably one of the excuses that you give when God encounters you in the middle. And God says, hey, we're going to get out of this rut. We're going to get out of this. This situation we're in, the way that we're living, the, the habits, the, the hurt, the hang up, the thing that you're going through right now that you wish you could shake and you've just kind of given up shaking it, we're going to get out of it. Are you ready to go? And our answer back to God is the same answer that Moses had. Our answers haven't changed. Our answer back to God is, man, I'm nobody. Just let me stay being nobody. Here's, here's God's answer. I love to, to, to really like fight that with the words of God to Moses because these, these, these are God's words to you right now. Here's what he says in Exodus 3.12. God said this, I will be with you. If your first excuse, if my first excuse when God calls me to something is like, I am nobody, and I would, really what we're saying is I would like to continue being nobody, right? Leave me alone, capital N-O. What God says to that is like, I'm going to be with you. You know, the second thing that, that Moses gives up as an excuse is this. I don't really know you. Exodus 3, verse 13 says this. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell him? 
And this excuse, let me rephrase this excuse for maybe something that feels a little more familiar to us today when God calls us out of the middle to a new adventure. Today we say this, I don't know enough about you. I'm not religious enough. I'm, I'm just not close enough to God. I've not been a, a good enough person. I'm not, I'm not holy enough. I, I know I've messed up. I, I'm not close enough to God to be able to do that, to be able to lead that way or live that way. I don't really know you. We're still making the same excuses. Here's the third excuse. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and they say, the Lord did not appear to you. This is the very first recording of, uh-uh, uh-uh, right? When someone says something and we're, we're kids, that instead of like fighting back with points, we just say, uh-uh. We're afraid still as adults that people are going to look at us and say, nuh-uh, you're not like, you're, you're, not as, you're not as cool as you think you are. Not, you're, you're not going to change. You can't do it. The elders won't believe me. The people won't believe me. God's answer and I think God's answer is the same today. You've got to get this. God's answer to Moses was specific to Moses' situation. It was very specific exactly to Moses. And God even gave signs and tools and strategies for Moses to, to convince people. I believe God is going to do the same thing in your life. This is who he is. God will encounter you in such a way that when we look at him and say, people aren't going to believe me, man. If you call me out of this middle, this muck that I'm in, this situation of life that I'm in, people aren't going to believe me. God says this, I'm going to give you precise help to your situation. He's got it for you in his word. He still gives answers like that. Here's the fourth thing that Moses does. Moses says this, I'm not talented. I got to stay where I'm at because I'm not talented. Here's his exact words, Exodus 4 verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. I mean, ultimately what he's saying is I don't have the skill set. I don't, I don't have the upbringing. I don't have the talent. I don't, I don't have the, the credentials. Like I don't have the toolbox to get out of the situation I'm in. This is a, another like, thing that we push back on God when God calls us out of the middle, out of, out of kind of the, the slump that we're in. I love God's answer. It's found in verse 11, the very next verse. This is so good. It's for you today. He says this, the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf and mute? Who gives sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. This is incredible. And when we give this exact same excuse, I don't have the talent. God says, I'm going to give you the talent. I don't have the energy. God says, I'm going to give you the energy. I don't have the resources or the people or the friends or the ideas, the creativity. God's like, stop. I make creativity. I make people. I'll give your friends. I've got every resource you can imagine. I've got resources you can't imagine. What an incredible answer. Finally, we get down and we, God keeps drilling down on Moses. I'm calling you from the middle. I'm calling you out of the slump. And Moses says this, his last and fifth 
push back to God. He says, somebody else is better. Somebody else is better. Ultimately, that, that's true. There's always someone else that's more talented than, than, than me. There's always someone else that's more, you know, better for a spot than, than you. It, 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 it is true. But when God calls you, that makes you the perfect person. Here, here's what he says exactly. His words, Exodus 3.13, Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. I mean, how much more to the point could Moses get on his pushback to God is God's calling him out of the middle. Just send someone else out of the middle. Send someone else. Let me stay where I'm at. God's response says, the Lord burned in anger. The Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother, Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. And who says that God doesn't pursue anymore? Moses had no idea as he's talking into the bush, just the power of God. He was, he was unaware. Maybe, maybe you've been giving these exact same excuses in your life and you're looking at the trajectory of your life. And you know, maybe things are, are going up or maybe you started a little slump and you identify and say, I, I'm in the middle, but you're like, I've just, you, you see your life this way, but here, here's what you don't know because we're not promised nothing. You, your life might, it might not have that part. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. And we step back and we think that we've got it all planned out and how it's all gonna go. And we're gonna do it on our own way. And we give God these excuses and we never actually leave the slump. We never actually leave the middle. We never get to where we wanna go because we continue to give God the same excuses time and time again. They're lies. I'm nobody. I don't know enough about God. I don't know God at all, really. People won't believe that I can change. I'm not talented or equipped or someone else is better. I love God's answers. I will be with you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you some specific things in your steps, just like I gave Moses, and his word is full of those teachings. His spirit will live inside of us and direct our steps daily. And then God finally ends his, his rebuttal to all of the excuses in the world. God says, I made you, I created you. That means I can change you. I don't know if you're feeling like you're in the middle, you're feeling like you're kind of stuck in some ways and some places in your life and you're, you've been throwing these excuses at God as God pursues you the same way God pursued Moses. And you've just been hurling those things time and time again. And you need to hear God say right now in a clear voice to you, I made you. I can change you. I will be with you. I will give you steps along the way. I will equip you. I'm not going to leave you here. And it's going to be scary to start to climb up out of the middle and to start to turn the chapter in your life in some things. But you're not going to do it alone. We have a good God. If you feel like you're stuck in the middle, you know, what's crazy about this whole thing is Moses is 80 years old. I mean, it's one of the, it's one of the things I, I just love to tell people that say, but I just, you know, I, it's just too late for me. You know, I just, I'm probably, I'm probably past being able to do that. Moses was 80 before he started the greatest adventure of his life. 
You don't have to be 80 years old to feel tired. I know, I know a 14-year-old that feels tired this week and feels like I'll, I'll never be able to do that because of my past. I know 20-year-olds that feel like, man, my life is already, the trajectory of my life has already been set. The trajectory of my life is already happening and nothing is gonna change it now and it's already too late. God shows up. God shows up and he says, I'm calling you out of the middle and I'm calling you to a new chapter and I am going to be with you. It's gonna be scary. It's gonna be hard. But there's gonna be adventure. And I love this. Because of Moses' obedience, two million Israelites were rescued from Egypt. I don't know what it is that God's calling you out of the middle of today, but I bet that it could have a profound impact on someone else's life. Our band is gonna come right now in the lobby and they're going to lead us in a song about chains falling and Jesus changing everything. We wanna invite you to, to stick around for a few minutes and just sing this song of worship with us. If, if you wanna talk with someone today, we invite you to our virtual lobby to click on one of the, the chat room links that's on our online portion of our website. If you're watching on Roku or YouTube, you have to go to the website. And we, we have pastors standing by in different chat rooms, different, different groups. If you want to make a first-time decision today to say, I'm done giving these excuses and I'm ready to follow Jesus, we want to meet with you. You want to repent and say, I'm a believer and I've got the Holy Spirit in me, but I've been saying no to God. And I've just been content to stay in the middle. And I want to just tell someone today, we'd love to hear that. Right now, worship with the band and realize this, even though he spent 40 years wandering in the desert, it only took one conversation to change the trajectory of everything. Are you ready for a conversation? Chains fall, fear bow here now. Jesus, you change everything. Lies healed, hope found here now. Jesus, you change everything. 